0: Wake up, buy here, pay here people. It's a beautiful day. Go grab yourself another cup of Joe and say hello to Jim and Michelle Rhodes on the buy here, pay here morning show. Take it away, you two. All right. Well, hey. good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Um, y'all. Happy Monday. It's uh it's cold. We woke up to just frost all over all of the trees here. Mm-hmm. And it's just beautiful. And, um, oh, for a COVID update, mm-hmm. we, uh, we're, we're doing better. So uh, those of you guys who listened last week that we, <laughs> it was a rough week. <laughs> It was a rough week. Yeah. Um, Still working. The biggest part is just like
1: running out of energy. Like I just, I have have had days recently where I woke up feeling good, think I'm past it. And then, you know, noon, Mm. like, wow. Yeah. So,
0: So, and and this is actually for all of you listeners out there, this is the first time that we think that we've ever had it. And so, um, you know, I, I, uh, I, I can understand when I hear people talk about, you know, you just takes all your energy. It's like, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's been the biggest thing for me,
1: and then a cough, of course.
0: Yep. Um, do we have anything? No, no big announcements. We've
1: got some stuff on the on the horizon, but nothing firm.
0: Yeah. Um, we have a. I want to spend as much time as we possibly can with our special guests because there's a lot of really good, rich information we're going to be talking about today. So,
1: welcome, Mr. Brent.
0: Hi, Mr. Brent Carmichael. (laughs) (laughs) You can see it on his shirt.
2: You set the wrong expectation. You said special guests, and, and they're like, Oh wow, it's gonna be somebody really cool. Then you put my picture up it and like oh,
1: is. Right. It no, is. people love hearing from you. Yeah. You've yeah. you got all the good information and, and I gotta thank thank you publicly for mm-hmm. the last minute text message before our conversation around. Ad oh, yeah. spend, you know, marketing spend. Uh, before we had that conversation uh 10 days or so ago, you were kind enough to share uh the specific numbers from your your group and boom. your groups. Yeah. I mean
0: it was it was like so quick and it's yeah. just like solid this, solid that. And it's so I mean it was it was impressive to me yeah. that you didn't have to say, Yeah, can I get back to you? You were like boom, boom, there they are. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and I, I just want no, you to really know.
1: Nod. That. Thank you. <laughs> and so, yeah, just for those folks who didn't hear it, Brent Brent gave us very specific numbers about from more than 200 dealers about ad spend in 2023, and I think you had some summary numbers from last year as well. Uh, for the most part, those numbers are running around $200 per car yeah, I think sold. That, yeah. Uh, so that's interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and there's a little bit of kind of. Ad spend is up a little, but volume is also flat. So when you take a look at kind of on a per car sold basis, it's a little skewed with with you know um, volume not being that much more. I think it's up four or five percent through uh, Q3 is all so a little bit of both in there, but um yeah, I mean it's I, I can remember when I went to work for NCMs, oh my gosh, 17 years ago now, um it was about $95 a car sold uh, back then. <laughs> Uh, pretty much all radio and tv and print and that tells yeah. you how tv was uh, yeah. 17 or 18 years ago compared to what it is now but again a majority of it as you guys know is all is all internet based it's all uh, there's very little in the spend of of any kind of tv or radio any kind of solid media out there anymore so well, Not this much, is yeah. why,
1: I mean, listen, we, we know that um, uh, we confirmed before we started the show that you have a couple of seats available in a few of your groups. So for those who don't know, tuning in, catching uh, Brent for the first time, Brent's been a moderator with NCM for more than 15 for years. He's got yeah. 20 groups, uh, including several buy here, pay here groups. And so, um, you know, this, this is important because for those who, what we see with our own dealers is they don't they often are in their little bubble you know and they don't get to see comparative numbers from others so they don't realize when they're spending 600 dollars per car sold that that's it's one of
0: the benefits of a you know, group i it's mean just the things that they don't that. they don't see yeah. it so
1: so having the opportunity to have those comparative mm-hmm. numbers is so vital yeah. and so we we know that um you know, 20 group is certainly amongst the places to be able to get that and lots of other benefits associated with being in a 20 group. But I think for today, while we have a chance to chat with you, wanted to get a a feel from you about your perspective on our industry. I mean, we just, you know, where we're at here as we wind down 2023, we're recording this in December of 2023. Well, this is
0: actually a really good time to talk about this because that's what you're doing this week (laughs) is doing like kind of an end of year summary type thing for a lot of your 20 groups.
1: Well,
2: yeah, at this time of year, uh, for all of the groups I do, not only buy here, pay here, but our finance, our, our service managers group and in the other non-automotive industries. I do a webinar every year uh, for the reporting, uh, going over the the reporting form, the guidelines for it and a little bit of the composite. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it kind of works into a year-end kind of update. Yeah.
1: Right. So, yeah. Awesome. There's some Facebook user says good morning. Yeah, There's some Facebook user. <laughs>
2: Don't, hey,
0: those of the that are listening on live on social media, that you you need to click okay for me to send uh, to do, um, yeah, to to show your name. Mm-hmm. So it's like they like they like privacy because privacy is like the name of the game. This, but oh, we want to know yeah. who
1: who's um, you know we do speaking <laughs> up. Over there, so. So we want to.
2: See. If I didn't know that. I wouldn't have put my name right here in big letters on there. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Use right. my pseudonym, the the professional name that I use. Yeah. We'll
0: we'll get, we we'll get something to change your voice and put like a paper sack over your head.
1: So I'm sure so. our buy here pay your listeners are interested. Let's let's start with inventory, Brent. Like, what are you what are you seeing across uh, your dealers in terms of what what's happening with them with inventory as we wind down 23.
2: Well, some of the good news is is our core cars seem to be leveling off and coming down. So you know your Malibu's your cruises, those are starting and again, not coming anywhere close to where they were mm-hmm. uh, pre-pandemic. But we're starting to see a little bit of relief in the cost of those. Again, sport utilities, trucks, uh, those mm-hmm. things are still pretty much at a premium, but kind of the core car we're starting to see come down a little bit. Right. Um, which again, Cox Automotive is, you know, telling us what the wholesale prices are down year over year. You know, again, still pretty I would say conservative on inventory levels Mm -hmm. compared to, again, you know, pre-pandemic where this was the time of year that we were buying cars. We were trying to get all of our taxis and inventory bought by December 1 or by by January 1. Again, not seeing that like we typically have in the past. Again, maybe more Mm of the sexy units trying to get those bought now because we know they're just going to go up in price come February, January, February, March. But uh, again, I would say they're, they're sticking closer to that 60 day supply of cars, where in the good old days of tax season, you know, we'd be 90 day supply at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, they were only going to get more expensive. So we always tried to buy up for tax season. And again, mm-hmm. more, you know, a little bit more inventory, but not much. Not, not so, much
1: at all. So I want to clarify when, and I, I don't know, having been a group member myself, the, the 60 day supply, another way to say that would be that dealers are turning through about half of their inventory every month. Correct, correct, correct. You say that? So it's like for dealers who are not used to hearing that expression, like that's that's roughly what we're talking about. And we've been watching that number, you know, with some of our our dealers as well. We just don't work with – our data pool is not nearly as large as yeah. the one that you work with. So we're always happy to hear kind of what you're seeing on the, the larger scale. On the
0: inventory side, what are you – are you seeing anything that you're hoping will trend for the year?
2: Um, well, like I said, ho- hopefully – uh, they'll continue our core car coming down in cost, which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, we'd all love to carry third row sport utilities and full-size trucks, but we can't all afford to do that. Mm -hmm. And so our core car is that four-door, you know, program car, rental program car. Mm -hmm. And again, that kind of helps feed our inventory back. You know, the key is going to be, and I've been trying to preach this for a long time. I don't think it's how many cars you have, Um, I've done, I don't know, four or five on on-site consultings over the last month or month and a half. And the dealers are complaining about, I just don't have enough cars, I don't have enough cars ready. And to me, it's more the mix of what you have necessarily than the number, physical number that you have on the lot. I think if you have a good mix, you don't need a 55 or 60 day supply. If you've got, you know, decent color spread, decent model spread in there, you know, as long as I don't have, you know, 35 cruises in my inventory, (laughs) uh, I'm probably gonna be okay. Um, And and I think we can we're learning to run a little leaner because of the cost of cars where we've never really had to in the past. You know, majority of our dealers weren't borrowing money to maintain a 60 car. I mean, a 60 day supply of cars. Um, They were cash flowing to do that. And Mm -hmm. and I, I was bad, Jim, I'll be honest with you. I was the one telling the guys, if you can afford to buy the cars where you don't have to borrow money, floor plan or whatever, then buy as many as you can that fits your model. Because again, they're only going to go up at some point. Now it's a little bit different with that. Yeah, but-
1: yeah. and that's that's a tough part about that. So that brings me to a, another question about uh, writing down inventory. Like you know, now that we're sitting here in December, before we close the year. Are you an advocate for taking, let's say I'm a dealer. I I, Can you
0: explain what writing down is? Yeah, so let's say I
1: own a car for, I I typically buy these Malibus that you're talking about for $5,500. And one day I miss that one's got a transmission problem. And I, so I own the car for now three grand too much. I own it for three grand more than it would bring at the auction today. So if I'm in that situation, would you advise writing that inventory down to its real market value before the close of the calendar year or the fiscal year for a lot of dealers will end in December. So would you advise writing that down, adjusting it so that you own it on your inventory for the for its real value?
2: Most definitely and you know not a CPA for everybody out there don't play one on TV I'm married to a retired one but um, you know there is a tax advantage to doing that for your entire inventory is putting it on the dollar, based on what the values are right now. I think there's been a little hesitancy the last couple of years because the value might've gone up uh, in that amount of time from the time we bought it. But I think you would see overall holistically that your inventory, what it's worth right now compared to what you have it on the books for would actually be less. Um, So there is a tax advantage to doing that for sure. I know at one time it was considered only a one time. You could only do it one time And now I think it's just accepted practice um, that pretty much everybody, my independent guys do it as well, Mm -hmm. is they go through their entire inventory at the end of the year. They value it based off of whatever book value that they that they use. Mm -hmm. And then they put their inventory on the dollar and then write off the rest of that uh, from the tax advantage standpoint. So definitely. So
0: what I was wondering, like, okay, so I understand what writing your your inventory down. The benefit of writing your inventory down is it changes your tax. Exactly. uh, um. so you're
1: going to
2: take a wholesale loss on that difference, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and, it'll, and it's a tax advantage for you to be able to do that at that point.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that we like about that is, I mean, I'll speak for myself, like now if I'm that dealer and I go into January, now my, now my calculations, okay. so when I'm monitoring my gross per deal and, and my cash and deal per unit, I mean, it's a more reflective of the real market value. It is. You know, so, it is. so now my numbers that I'm tracking my performance, my analytics, you know, now I'm, I'm cleaner. I'm, and, and I don't, and I've dealt with any surprises. If I do find it necessary to liquidate, you know, one of these age units, I don't have to take that bath then I've already kind of suffered the write down. I've already written it off my taxes, you know, the prior year. So yeah, I can see the advantage of doing Mm -hmm. it, you know, more routinely, but, uh, yeah, I think this is something that we just want to think about for dealers, especially we we've all kind of experienced that cars, cars were up. Now they're at least stable, hope they're tracking down. So it's going to be a lot of our dealers are bound to own a lot of their inventory higher than it's real, real market value. So it's a time of year to think about just, you know, moving those and, and, uh, adjusting that. What about sales? What are you seeing across sales? Are dealers pretty stable? Or are they doing good volume?
2: Uh, yeah, through Q3, I think, like I mentioned earlier, total dealers, I think, are up 4% over this time last year. Again, since that's through September, don't have October, November, or December yet at this point. You know, I'm not hearing, this is kind of how I gauge it. There's not a lot of emails on the group listservs about, man, we suck, or man, we're killing it. Right now, it's, it's kind of quiet which right. tells me that most people are kind of just on par for what they typically do the last three months of the year october november and december so you know nobody's bragging nobody's beating their chest about hey we're slaying it right and again we're not talking anybody off the roof because they're like oh my god i can't sell a car i'm getting ready to go out of business so yeah. <laughs> uh, quiet is typically good right silence is compliance or something along those lines but yeah i mean there's just not a lot uh, a lot going on as far as the email list serves for the group so i'm assuming and we know what that can do. Yeah. I'm assuming that um, that everything's pretty stable or everybody is is OK with where they are right
1: now. Yeah. I think we're seeing that, too. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm going to blame brain fog on this. I'll take you back to inventory for one second because I don't want to miss the opportunity <laughs> to ask you about you're a guy who sees certainly franchise uh, dealer numbers and you see buy here, pay here. I don't know if you work with any independent retail. So I'm wondering what you can share with us about how those day supply numbers vary buy here, pay here, independent retail and franchise. Like I'm often telling dealers, what my observation has been, but you see a lot more of that. How do those day supply numbers vary within those segments?
2: Uh, typically, and I'm going to kind of lump retail together, which would be new car and independent use or the used car divisions of uh, of a new car store. You know, they're at 30, 45 day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's kind of used car 101. You know, your V autos will tell you that if you don't turn a vehicle within that amount of time, then obviously the grosses go down. And there's data and there's data to prove that. So basically it's about half of what we typically run, and I'm not saying that you know you should be if you're not a 55 day supplier, 60 day supply and buyer payer, you're, you're wrong. It's just that's typically what we've always ran, right. and it kind of goes back more to the turn time from a reconditioning standpoint. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that new car dealers buying used cars or taking trades in aren't taking 10 and 11 year old, 100,000 mile cars, those are what historically they've wholesaled, right? Yeah. They, they want the 10, 20, 30,000 mile, doesn't need a lot of recon from the time I buy it, take it in and trade we're two, three days and it's on the lot, retailable. Same thing with the independent uh, dealers I work with. From the time they acquire the car, whether it's auction or trade, you know, they want it out there for sale two to three days, no more.
1: Yeah.
2: And then buy here, pay here, that's just not typically been the case. We're, we're typically a five to seven day uh, turn on some of that stuff with an average recon around a thousand eleven hundred $1,100, somewhere in there. So that's why our day supply typically is higher because okay. it just takes a little bit longer to turn those cars. Gotcha.
0: I, I have a question about inventory then, because um, we see uh, how common is it though to have a car on your lot that's 120 days plus?
2: I just left a dealer that I am not (laughs) going to disclose (laughs) average car in inventory, average car in inventory, um, was 180, almost 190 days across all of the cars in their inventory.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, How does that hurt a dealer?
2: Honestly, Michelle really doesn't because it's kind of a joke in our industry is our cars don't depreciate because they've already been depreciated (laughs) um, completely out um, at that point. And so for us, you know, these guys that have, you know, I've got dealers that have cars that have been in inventory 300 days before they hit the lot and ready to sell, but it doesn't affect the gross. Okay. Right? I mean, that car is what that car is at that point. So, you know, for us, there's not as much emphasis put on age of the car and in inventory because historically data has shown that it really does not affect the gross. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, I bought the car for three grand and I had to put $3,000 in it. And it took me six months to do the three grand because couldn't get the motor, couldn't get this part, whatever, couldn't get anybody to fix it. Yeah. You know, that car is still going to stand up at the sale price that it would have 90 days prior to that, or 120 days prior than that. It still yeah. would have been the same. So gotcha. um, we, we just don't feel the effects. I think it, I'm not going to say it's led to laziness, but it's just the way the industry is.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. The cars that, even though you, you might not suffer in gross. You, you do. the, One of the benefits, of course, of turning inventory faster would be use of assets. Like we got more dollars tied up that we don't have them available for sale. And so we certainly, you know, the and the cars can degrade on the lot, even though they don't maybe, maybe the book value to change, they can degrade out there in the, the winter, you know, and <laughs> up north. Now
2: that's a car buyer talking right there, just so you know why well, this thing's going to get lot rot if I can't get it through, if the yeah. guys don't get it through the shop yeah kind of thing well tires go flat and some batteries go bad but yeah yeah.
1: then again i just realized uh ice tends to preserve things so maybe (laughs) some of these folks (laughs) have north, you know maybe their cars last longer right
0: well and and we've we've walked on lots where you see um weeds growing up around tires too so and so it's like you know at least if you're going to have a a car on the lot for 300 days don't leave it in the exact same place
2: yeah um And to your point, though, Michelle, I haven't come across a lot of dealers that have had a car ready for sale right. for 300 days, maybe an inventory 300 but days. not on the lot. Yeah, there is a, you know, I, I, Jim, you probably probably same way you were. You know, once it's on the lot, I would say in that 30, 45 days, depending on how much inventory you totally have available, if you have the right mix, you know, there's only three reasons that a car doesn't sell uh, for buy here, pay here.
1: Everybody listen up. Everybody Bring listen up. <laughs> Actually,
2: really only two when I think about it. It's not price. It's not ready or it's not price right. One of the two. Right. It's not ready. I still something wrong with it. It's flat tires. We had to jump start it. Uh, Jim, I know you remember these days you go out to sell a car and the customer gets in and turns. it. Goes click, 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 click. Really hard to sell a car when it won't start. Right. When you have sure. to jump start. I And mean, again, that's a sales process issue. Something that somebody should be looking at the inventory on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. The second one is it's not price right. And, you know, what we were talking about with the inventory markdown, we got buried in it. We missed something when we bought it. We've been chasing down some ghost in the machine to get it reconned. And so now it should be, we should be in it at six grand and we're in at nine. Okay. Right, And if we want to keep that gross profit percentage that we're comfortable with, now it's really outside of our parameters from a sale price standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so really only two reasons they don't sell. Not priced right, they're not ready. Both, both we have control over.
1: So uh, so that's interesting because I find myself and one of the other reasons I enjoy spending time around you is I want to make sure that the advice I'm giving dealers is, is accurate, you know. So we're we're obviously basing a, a lot of uh, you know the things on our direct experience. And I I think, you know, what I'm hearing you say there is that the consumer is more price sensitive than maybe I You know, give them credit for. I think we probably miss customers based on selling price of the car. When I think about price, I think the consumer is more driven based on down payment. Now they will pass on a car if the price is not right. Or my concern on buyer payer side is that the price drives us to either set a term and show the customer a high payment. You know, if we're trying to live with a certain term. But uh, that's the part that you know we can spend all day here trying to break that one down. But what I'm hearing you basically say is the consumer is price sensitive. If uh, if the if the cars aren't priced right, that's that's not that's why they're not moving.
2: No, no, I apologize. Not the customer, us. It's not priced right because of it's priced out of our market. To exactly what you said, the down payment required to get the customer in it, the term is going to make the payment too high for them. So not priced right to me is internal. We got buried in it for some reason. And so now we have to, you know, if we have, like I said, a certain gross percentage of ACV is our pricing model. Gotcha. You know, we, could be, we priced it out of the average customer walking in the door. There uh, you go. I'm always a firm believer, and it's a lot tougher now than it used to be, Jim. We used to be able to have what was kind of a 10 10 model in our inventory. 10% of our inventory would be really, really nice stuff, right? um the top end stuff the you know the really nice sport utilities full size trucks 80% of it would be the core car core vehicle that the average customer that walks in the door has the down payment and can afford the payment on and then there's going to be 10% of it I think that's going to be kind of that starter car that's well hey you know you got a maybe a younger or less you know financially experienced buyer a little bit more of a risk factor in there that I can get them in something that's maybe a little bit shorter of a term, a little bit less of a down payment. Hey, pay for this 12, 18 months and then we'll get you. You know, the the cliche I've always used is, you know, we're gonna sell you the Taurus, you pay for it and we'll sell you the Tahoe next time. Right? Everybody comes in for the Tahoe, 90% of them can't afford it. Right. right? Based on our underwriting criteria, either down payment term or whatever. And Mm so 90% of them will leave it, not necessarily a Taurus, but that type of a vehicle, because they're a needs-based buyer, as we all know, they're not a wants-based buyer. Yeah. If they were, we would sell nothing but sport utilities and full-size trucks. Yeah. Okay. Um, so so I apologize if I if I kind of miscommunicated my point there. Not being price right is more of an internal structure. We, you know, I've gotten, you know, kind of tied to a car that I've bought. And no, we're going to do everything to make sure this thing hits the lot in retail. And then it comes out to be four times what it should have been at that point. And I'm still convinced this is a good car. It'll sell. And the sales guys are going, at that sell price, I can't get them in. The down payment's too high. The payment's going to be too high for our
1: terms. Yeah. It's
2: not a customer thing. It, it's more of an internal pricing structure.
1: Gotcha. And that makes mm-hmm. sense. It, it kind of, and we don't need to rehash the whole COVID thing, but I just, as we saw prices come up and we saw dealers trying to hold their their typical average gross or, you know, the margin, whatever. Then obviously we saw prices come up dealers, you know, had to adjust down payment accordingly. And it kind of ties back to what we talked about, about writing down inventory. It's like, if, if I'm sitting here on inventory right now and I, I always say, Brent, the way I like to say it is if we, if we own the car for too much, that's maybe we made a mistake in buying that happens. But I, I, I always want to see dealers not make a second mistake by then you know, setting a down payment too high. Now the car just sits, right? Because we, you know, we're, we're adjusting based on our mistake. And so it can, it kind of goes back to this write down thing. If we can get the cars, you know, adjusted to market, price, get the pricing set where we, you know, adjust to maybe a selling price has to move down payment has to move, whatever, but uh, yeah, whatever it takes to get the cars moving on through. Like, I just think we got somebody mm-hmm. shows up and they're ready to buy it and we, we can't yeah. get together with them for whatever reason. And that's obviously our, our inventory sits and we spend more money to get customers in because customers <laughs> are come, we won't approve, you know, yeah. and so it's just, you know, all the things kind of compound a little bit when we, when we come at it from that way, why don't we talk about, uh, you mentioned sales are pretty stable. I think we're seeing the same thing with our folks. We're not seeing much real change there. I wonder.
0: I, I was just thinking when you were talking about your, you know, I'm not getting a lot of emails there either not, you know, popping, mm-hmm. or like the world sucks. And I was, I was like that, that there's, there is that. definitely a personality type with dealers. Yeah, they're really they're just yeah. definitely is. And it's just, I, you know, I, I I get, I think that that's, that's a really interesting thing just from your observation working with them for a long time. That when you're quiet, it's like things are just trucking along. Well,
2: I was are- gonna say, most of my groups are fairly competitive, believe it or mm-hmm. not, even though I mean, some of them, you know, they I can't ever be that guy kind of thing, but they're always, you know, hey, I had a good month and, and, you know, mm-hmm. they like to share that or, yeah. man, I'm, it's killing me. What are you guys doing out there? And like I said, it's been, Relatively relatively quiet, and I do have some dealers that are literally that dynamic. In one month, it's the greatest thing in the world, and everything's great. And the next month, it's like, Hey, man, off the roof, it's not that bad, okay? It'll right. be okay, remember, sure. everything is fine, you know, yeah. kind of thing where it's literally talking oh, them off the roof every now and then. So, and those are the guys that I'm not hearing from, so that leads me to believe that things are. Yeah. One more, as normal as possible. Yeah.
1: One more reason the data nerd in me likes rolling averages. Let's let's yeah. focus on the average, <laughs> exactly. right? It's like, dude, so, it's
2: one month, you know. This time last year, you did this kind of thing, right? Yeah. But you know, last year was a career year. Exactly. You can't do it again every single year. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so listen, you have the all the the twenty group members, two hundred plus members, right? That well, that number was by here. Pay here. Is that out of your buy no, here? No, no.
2: It's um at by Q three we had. Actually, 482 or 483 dealers that we receive data from. I see. Um, not all of those are in 20 groups. Um, we offer a service product, whatever you want to call it, that if you just don't think that a 20 group, the travel and some of those things are not for you, you can report your data every month and get a composite that will show mm-hmm. your numbers, our overall group averages, and our overall benchmarks. So it'll only have three lines in it. You won't get to see anybody else's data but yours against those. So if you just want to compare and see how you're doing, um, we can do it as a one-off. And Mm -hmm. I've got got quite a few dealers that do, I've got some that do it monthly. I've got some that do it quarterly and I've got some dealers that only do annually. So they'll do their December numbers, Mm -hmm. pay for that product, see how they ended up the year and that'll be it. So- What um, what
1: did you call that again?
2: um, It's called our peer performance package i think is what we call it now uh-huh. be the benchmark now wait a minute maybe we call it the benchmarking i don't know we we don't we <laughs> talk to sales and marketing i don't know what they call it anymore so those
0: 400, we- uh, uh dealerships that are just submitting data that's just buy here pay here
2: yes ma'am it is the okay. peer performance package i love it what we call it now um comparative statistics multi benchmark yeah. So that's that's what we call it now. Sorry. I apologize, <laughs> to everybody, that I don't know how we market everything. Yeah. I just know you don't name we want it, we can do it. Yeah, you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't
0: they didn't they didn't consult with Brent to name yeah. it apparently. Yeah.
1: No, they did not. <laughs> anyway. It's all good. No, I, I think um uh, I certainly want to uh learn what I can from you while we're together about what you're seeing a, a, about Just collections and and repo rates. I mean, we're now I gotta tell you too, you have all these 20 groups and you have the chat thread. We have also something that you don't have, which is Facebook threads. That's a barometer (laughs) that we have. (laughs) So we can measure. Yeah,
2: you don't do Facebook. Yeah. I I I don't, and it's going to be a new year's resolution that I'm going to set up a Facebook page. I can assure you that unless my wife or one of my grown daughters does anything with it, I won't be probably posting on it, but I would like to, because there are some Facebook groups out there that I would like to um, just be a part of, Um, Mm -hmm. because there's some good dialogue going on out there. And it's something that I think that I'm, that I'm probably missing out on to a certain extent, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna use it from a professional standpoint. No, it's just gonna be more trying to stay up with kind of what's going on in the industry. Cause again, there's, you know, 20,000 estimated buy here, pay here dealers out there. And so we represent, as you can tell, even if it was 500, a minuscule percentage of that. Um, and just more than anything else, just like to kind of get a feel for what everybody's yeah. you know, talking about and, and what, and see if it's similar to what we're seeing. Did,
0: did, of- did you just throw out numbers mm-hmm. for how many dealers you think there are out there? Um,
2: at one point, the biggest number I've ever heard, and it's estimated, Michelle, because there's no way to to get an actual number because there's not a buy here pay here, like license mm-hmm. that you get um, 25,000, I think, was the peak. The last I heard was around 20,000 okay. estimated buy here, pay here dealers. And again, that would count the you know five guy a month up to the 500 or you know, gotcha. car marts and everything else in there. So because gotcha. uh, it's a used car dealer license, you have some that don't have related finance companies, so they don't have any kind of a finance license mm-hmm. and don't require one and don't need one. So it's really hard to get a number.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the reason I brought that's it up lot. is like, it, that's our barometer, like Facebook, when you see a thread that kind <laughs> of blows up because a lot of dealers are feeling that particular pain or, uh-huh. you know, right. whatever they, so we see that, like you, you'll you see some conversations that really, uh, you know, get, get charged. You know, it's like, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a hot button thing that you're seeing dealers get uh kind of rally around, but yeah, that's kind of an indication for us is what's going on. And we're, we're seeing quite a few dealers on social media saying that their repo rates are up. I saw an article not long ago that said, I think through the third quarter that, um, Bankruptcies were up seventeen percent year over year, and so that's obviously going to be felt in the buy here pay here space. But I would say, you know, of our clients that we work with, and again, it's a fairly small pool, but we don't see their repo rates really moving much. I mean, I don't, I don't see a lot of change in in that, and I, and that's not a credit to us. That's just where they're pretty stable, smaller markets, uh, you know, and so I think mm-hmm. uh, that's we're not just not seeing a lot of change there.
2: What do you? What do you- just to clarify, because I'm one of those guys. Um, When you say repo rate, are you talking about frequency? Are you talking about severity that you're not seeing that much of a change in?
1: I don't, I didn't even measure it that deeply. I'm just saying as um, either one, like we don't see quantities. And so when he talks about frequency, that's going to be uh, How many
0: a month or uh, whatever? Yeah. yeah. And severity so is
2: based off of sales or as a percent of right. open accounts, either, yeah. either one of those that you want Variety to is
0: that. the dollar amount that you've lost. We don't, the number yeah, that I yeah.
1: see most, Brent, would be what I call a conversion rate that percentage of charge off okay. principal compared to the opening principal for the month. Right. So we track that with all of our right. clients and kind of watch that. And we don't, it was not seeing a lot of movement in that line, percentage of portfolio is the simplest way that I think about it.
2: Exactly. And again, we don't really either. And I think part of that is because of the cost of vehicles, right? I mean, they have been up. So, you know, one thing that we take a look at is we take a look at the average sale proceed or ACV of a charge offer repossession as a percent of the original cost Mm -hmm. of that, you know, of that vehicle. And that we've seen an increase in that. We've seen that percentage be a little bit higher. It's always run in the 40-ish range. Um, it's been in the mid upper fifties and even low sixties when we did it last year, we'll do it again in January of this year for the calendar year, 2023. So I have a better number uh, come mid January, late January on that. But last year's number was in the upper fifties. I think it was 57 or 58%. It's typically just below that. So, you know, that would lead me to believe that that's value car driven, but yeah, frequency has pretty much stayed the same. It's staying in the mid 40% range. Um, As a percent of sales. So nothing really kind of out of the way there. We have seen the average charge off go up, which we should um, because the pricings were higher. The average sale price is higher in 2023 and 2022 than it was historically. Um, So they have a higher balance. The one thing that we haven't seen is that the customer paying any longer into the term, we were kind of hoping maybe these nicer cars, at least cost more cars, maybe they would pay a little bit longer and again so far they're not i mean it's still this 410 days 440 days and we just have a higher balance you know obviously at that point now that we've gone to on average almost 42 month terms um you know with interest rates being you know maximizing our ability to to collect interest we're just seeing a higher balance after that 14 months than we obviously have historically Mm -hmm. so know there's nothing i see in the data that concerns me with any of that i have had to talk some dealers off my average charge off is up to this yeah but remember your average acv is up to this as well Um, Mm -hmm. you know two things that we always try to strive for dealers to accomplish is is that average charge off to be less than equal to or less than uh, the original acv and or the original gross now if you can do both of those you will run a very, very successful, a very lucrative buy here, pay here business.
0: Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that?
2: What what, Perfect world. We would want our average charge off after recoveries, after we've got the ACV or we've sold the vehicle to be equal to or less than both the original ACV of the vehicle. So let's say that the original ACV was 8,000, right? The original gross was $5,000. Right now, I think our average charge-off is right around sixty-five dollars or $6,700. So right now, our average dealer's is charge-off is less than the original ACV, but it's more than their gross. Now, dealers of volume, it's going to be almost, I'm not going to say impossible, but highly improbable that you're going to be able to match that metric, that your charge-off is going to be less than both. In the good old days, it was, when cars were three and $4,000 and our grosses were, a little bit better than what they are now, you know, it was a little bit easier to accomplish. But now with the cost of cars being where it is and gross is obviously being shrunk a little bit to keep sell price term down payment, mm-hmm. customer's weekly payment in line, you know, we're not gonna be able to match both of those metrics at this point. So, um, you know, that that's just something I, I always want our dealers to be aware of. Not that it's the end all be all guys, it's not one of those that, Hey, if you're not doing this, you're bad. There's just you know one of those you want to keep in line with, and if you're out of line with both of them, then it's you know it could be am I buying the cars at too much? Am I doing too much recon? Uh, am I overgrossing the customer? You know, mm-hmm. if your average charge off is more than your average gross, then in theory you're not collecting your gross. Correct. I mean, if you have a five thousand dollar gross and your average charge off is sixty five hundred, you're not collecting your gross. So should you raise your gross then at that point? Because if nothing changes from the collection standpoint, you're just going to charge off more dollars. So, you know, again, not an end-all be-all, but just one of the 10 or 12 factors that we take a look at, you know, when we're looking at portfolio health in general. Great. Right.
0: Um, I have a question from George in Florida, and he says, so if the customer is still paying 410 to 440 days, the extended terms are only affecting the payment, not the payback.
2: Pretty much. Okay. Pretty
1: much. Okay. so
2: you know we went through some exercises with some of our dealers back in 20 i think i've mentioned this before um late 2021 but more into 2022 you know talking about affordability of customers Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: do we really want to go 48 months or you know we don't want to go 60 months kind of thing so you know what are the factors that we we have control of that we can keep that term in line and, and that payment down so to speak and obviously one of them is the gross Um, You know, we can cut our grosses, but again, we still have, you know, overhead that's got to be paid um, depending on how well our dealers are performing, right? How good they're collecting. You know, we may not have really any room there. I've got some dealers that have pretty strong grosses and they have to because they are very, very easy when it comes to underwriting. Um, They're not conservative at all. They're very aggressive with their underwriting, five liners, no credit checks, you know, stuff like that because of the markets they're in one of the things we talked about which i thought two of my groups were actually going to ask ncm to change their moderator was hey you guys can adjust your interest rates right i mean i understand that that we want to maximize our 18 19 or 20 percent and if we needed to for just a short amount of time a year or so until maybe things get a little bit better you know we cut that interest rate down if you went from 21 to 15 percent, i think it cuts two grand off of an average 36 or 40 month term mm-hmm. and you do the math. I mean, that, that's that's pretty substantial in a monthly or weekly payment mm-hmm. that could be done. And now before everybody starts throwing mm-hmm. things and starts typing in, oh my God, <laughs> this guy off, he's crazy, he's been drinking already.
0: didn't put your email address
2: <laughs> I mean, if you thought if you did it for one year, you're talking mm-hmm. about maybe a 30 year portfolio would be on that. Mm-hmm. So yes, there would be a little bit of an impact on your interest collected, there would be. And if you did it for three years, there still would be, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you collected better, though, the impact would be minimal. So it's just something that we challenged the dealers to take mm-hmm. a look at um, on a short term basis, cut growth, cut interest. They're kind of the same thing to a certain extent. Um, but and, and some dealers did and some of them actually did that, um, again, for a short term basis. And you didn't have to cut it from 21 to eight or nine percent. You cut six percentage points off of a thirty-six or forty-two month term on an amount financed of eleven thousand dollars, guys. There's a little bit of an impact in a payment there. I mean, it's a five or seven dollar a week payment, and that could get somebody into your whatever twenty percent payment to income or twenty-five, whatever you're comfortable with at that
1: point. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. dealers are probably missing a lot of customers on PTI. I mean, the fact that we've seen payments Mm -hmm. go so high Mm -hmm. just tells me Mm -hmm. that you know if they're they're either ignoring PTI. You know, yeah. and putting the customer in the high payment anyway, and so I, 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 you know, I think we all understand where that ends up. So, I think you know, I want to get to capital, uh, but first, I just think to kind of recap some of what you shared. At four hundred ten days, I did the math over here. Like you're you're thirteen plus months before. Uh-huh. That's so so. To recap, for what I understood you to say was that your your dealers charge offs are occurring in about that window 410 days is kind of the the scatter that's graph right. or the that's the that's the average of where the charge offs are occurring is that right
2: that is correct let me give you hang on real quick and i'll give you our 5 year lipper average let me give you the <laughs> 5 year ncm all group average is
0: uh this is one of the reasons why we love brent
2: 431 days and this is all of the dealers and again all of our 20 group members have to do this which they hate it i promise you um and then anybody who's not in a 20 group we make it voluntary for them every year in january we send out a spreadsheet for them to complete also a crr because we do that as well and then however many of that we get back then we kind of combine them all together but yeah. The five-year average is 431 days. The mm-hmm. high was 2022 because this is last year that I'm looking at. We haven't done 2023. Uh, oh, I take that back. Wrong number. Uh, 429 days.
1: 429.
2: Uh, last year it was 442 for the calendar year of 2022. But the five-year average um, is 429 days. We like so-
0: it out it, because it, it it does. Uh, that's one of the things that Jim loves. Is it's like you're not going to have to talk someone off of a off of a roof no, i
2: mean it's just it's who we are it's who we've been, yeah. regardless of yeah. because uh, obviously we were all scared when cost of cars went up 40 yeah. percent. it's okay well then hopefully they'll pay that additional two or three months mm-hmm. and everything will stay the same mm-hmm. again we, we've seen this cost of car now for one full calendar year going on two so we're through what would be a typical repo cycle or repo curve coming up on 18 or 24 months and so the numbers are there? I, I don't think. expect this January's for calendar year 2023 to be any different. Um, I expect it to be in that 420 range, 410 to 440 range uh, yeah. in there. So was- again, which is either a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, our customer mm-hmm. is consistent.
1: Right? Yeah, We're I would consistently
2: say that, bad, but consistent. If,
1: <laughs> yeah, if we could get inside the data, my suspicion would be that you know, based on what we saw in COVID. Prices would have come up, 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 right? Cost came up, up, up. So dealer selling prices and perhaps term would have been coming up twenty and twenty-one, probably into but certainly in twenty-three, we should have stabilized a little bit more, should have settled into a range where you know we've been stable. So the good news for me in that is you know, we're at the end of twenty-three. So when you're talking about fourteen months to average charge off, we're we're coming to the end of that, that weird, you know kind of this anomalous period that we had through COVID. I mean, it's starting to wind down and we should be able to, uh, you know, get more stable. So, which brings me to the question about capital. Like, you know, we've seen, um, you know, dealers struggling, obviously as cost of car went up, we've seen them struggle to to capitalize that. A lot of dealers, you know, had to dip into their pocket in a different way to, to fund those contracts at their regular volume. But what are you seeing um, in the capital market yourself? Are you seeing lenders, Withdraw. We certainly have seen some, some dealer groups pull out, which would seem to suggest that their their money, you know, came to an end. Right. Some, <laughs> some big dealer come out. Right?
2: Well, I mean, if you believe what that- you read, let me let me put it this way. Um, <laughs> I read in the paper this morning. Obviously, the Fed is talking about. No more rates, hikes, and actually maybe some reductions next year. So Mm -hmm. let me start with that. Obviously, that's going to be a positive for, for the dealer clients that currently have lines because that is what I'm not going to say is killing us over the last two years. But I work with a dealer on an annual basis to do their budgeting and projecting. And we hit every number except cash flow for last year. And we couldn't figure it out at first. And it turned out that it was interest expense okay we missed by one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. we just didn't realize the impact of how much their interest rate went up in basically a 15 or 18 month period at the end of 2022 mid 2022 going into 2023 Um, so i think there's going to be at least from a dealer standpoint that those that already have lines of credit there's going to be some relief from interest expense coming next year as far as capital availability right um and I hope we don't have any capital providers listening. I hear the same thing. Yes, we want to lend money, but then when it comes down to the brass tax of it, they 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 don't some of them don't seem to really be wanting to take on dealers, either by advance rates or covenants or some of these things. And I completely agree with that. I mean, don't get me wrong, if I was loaning money at this point, I would be much more conservative than I was. Three or four or five years ago, to be quite honest with you, I mean, if I was putting my money out there to a dealer, because I know there's there's probably more water in portfolios now than there has been in the past, right? Because these cars went up that quick. Car didn't change, still ten years old, so has a hundred thousand miles on it, but somehow it went from five grand to seven thousand dollars, and it's the exact same car. Sure. And I think the fear, possibly, I don't want to speak for lenders, but I think the fear is, is at some point there is going to be this reckoning or this right size that this inventory is going to come back down and they are going to have more unsecured portfolio, so to speak, than what we currently have. Um, you know, obviously a better question for somebody like a Steve Burke at Agora or somebody along those lines that's, that's kind of managing this and looking at this. But that would be my opinion of that. Um, some of the larger lenders in our space, I've had current dealers turn to and the deal they got back was not comparable to three or four or five years ago Um, in fact there's one dealer i have that's pretty large has a a 10 million plus facility that his lender has already told him he doesn't renew i don't think until october of 2025 and he's already been told that they will not be renewing him at that point Hmm. because they are going for Larger, or it's not their type of business, or something. There's something with that. He's been with them for as long as I can remember, and they're just now saying, "Hey, look, we're giving you a two-year notice that that you know we're not going to renew you in 2025." So, right. which I wish all lenders would do that—give somebody that right. much of a heads up to be able, especially to replace that kind of a facility, Jim. I mean, you know, if I need to replace a million dollars local bank, I mean that's probably fairly simple. But when you're talking about a ten or twelve million dollar facility, sure and there just ain't a lot of them out there. And then what's that rate gonna look like yeah. at, at that point for somebody that's not really familiar, maybe necessarily with our industry. So I'm positive in the fact that interest rates should be either leveling off or coming down. So current dealers with lines of credit mm-hmm. then should be in a better position financially next year, should see some relief from that. I don't see or have not heard anything for the, facility, for the lenders out there. That leads me to believe that capital is going to be any easier to actually obtain than, than yeah. what it is right now.
1: Yeah, the only thing that I see there is that um, we we've actually talked to two lenders that are fairly prominent. They're they're active and you know do sizable lines. Um, That's interesting. And I've had two of them tell me that they're seeing that obviously the cost of money what they have to charge the dealer because of their own cost of money and that spread between what they charge the consumer that spread is obviously shrunk
2: mm-hmm. and so
1: it, it prices more pressure on the dealer operationally uh and so that's a concern for them that's a natural concern that's just a reality they 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 know that their dealer um you know is going to feel more pressure and in, inside that you know with that uh, restriction but um yeah i just think what so certainly a softening of rates should you know uh, improve that which is going to be a benefit to the both the lender and to the dealer but yeah we you know we've seen we've had dealers get really large credit lines this year we've had dealers have their credit line called and they had to go do just exactly what you're talking about I had to go replace you know uh, a credit line in pretty short notice and so that's just an indication of sort of the 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 lack of stability, you know, and some of these pressures that we're talking about, and so it's uh, it's an interesting time. Let me let me ask you one last thing. You have anything else from Brent?
0: No, I've just enjoyed this. So conversation this is fun. So like I just uh-huh. I,
1: I'm I'm noticing something in Brent that I, when he squirms, <laughs> it means I've asked him a question that he either doesn't want to make me look foolish, <laughs> he doesn't want to answer in a way. That- it's foolish. I'm a terrible
2: poker player. In case you haven't it. <laughs> I noticed. I yes, So my
1: last question might also make you squirm. Like, what's your feeling about if if you're a dealer contemplating getting in the buy here, pay here business in December of 2023? You know, what's what's your advice? Is now a time to do that? And if so, what would be the you know what would be the first two or three things that you would say if you're going to do it now? Th- there's certain things that to be prepared for.
2: Well it's interesting that you asked this because somebody had asked me this not too long ago, how much interest is there right now? And I gauge it by, I do a a webinar called understanding the buy here, pay here model. And, um, you know, typically on an average year, I'll do it nine, 10 times a year, uh, kind of thing. It's typically new car dealers, you know, looking at wanting to get into buy here, pay here. I have done none this year, Hmm. not one, um, which, again and I kind of understand because the cost of funds right now at 7 8 or 9% and again there's not too many there's not too many people out there that have the financial wherewithal to fund one of these things out of their hip national bank I mean it's you know 25 cars a month assuming you had a building and already had the inventory let's just say you already have it um, and you already have the building it's still going to be 2.5 2.7 somewhere in there max cash out and that's not growing the business that's 20 to 25 cars a month every month that's not a five percent increase or a 10 percent increase and that's using an average collection you know not being a benchmark collector just being the average guy out there um, with an average expense structure and that's just i mean that's a lot of money
1: yeah
2: um, for people and again i don't think there's as much interest because obviously the new car business fewer cars more money even uh, independent use to a certain extent are still doing very well, still got good margins, still good front and back end money. So it's typically when, you know, subprime goes out, SpyFi goes out, then we start seeing some of those guys going, Hey, I'm losing these deals. They're not really losing a lot of deals right now. Um, so the if if I was getting into it right now, it would be, I would be the tortoise. It would be slow and sure. It would be, I'm not going to say onesies, twosies, but it would be five, 10, 15 a month. So I didn't have to lay out that 2.5, something I could do for a million, a million five, where the, if I was borrowing all of that, let's say at seven or 8%, that I could still afford to do the business at that point. I don't think that I would come into this thing anywhere close to guns blazing, 25, 30, 40 cars a month. I I I don't, there's too much uncertainty if rates don't come down, God forbid. If inventory, for some silly reason, goes back up at this point, you know, Jim, you've been around a long time. We used to be able to make mistakes and really not necessarily, I mean, have to pay for them, but it really wasn't that big a deal. Right?
1: Mm -hmm. Now a
2: mistake is eight grand, nine Mm -hmm. grand a copy when it was two or three, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago, right? So now the mistakes are twice as bad. And as you guys know, whatever decision I make today, I won't know it's a good decision for 18 months. Mm -hmm. I I just won't sure. And if I've loaded up and done 40 cars a month for 12 months, and now I've got 500 deals out there and now there becomes a problem. Yeah. Now I'm stuck with that problem for two years to get unburied from it at that point. So, um, be very conservative. The ones I like working with are the guys that say, look, I want to do five or 10 a month. That's all I want to do. That's the guy I love working with. Mm -hmm. The guy that comes on and says, Hey man, I'm going to location. I'm going to be the next car, Mark. Okay.
1: Yeah. Let me yeah. show you
2: the pro forma and then I'll hit enter and that big number shows up and how much cash they need, and there's always silence on the other end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
2: they sit there and then the next thing out of their mouth always is, well, how can I do it cheaper? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So now yeah. let's talk about what
1: reality is, right? Of course. Yeah. Listen, we we could sit here and talk to you I'll all day long. Right? There's so much good stuff. Yeah. I, I want to have you back. I'm realizing as we talk here, I want to have you back to talk about cost structure, like overhead. Yeah. With dealers, yep. because that's another thing that we we don't see enough of, and I think dealers that are starting, they need to really understand, you know, what it's going to cost to run. Mm-hmm. You know, if I start a buyer yeah. payer operation, what's it going to cost me to run it just just operationally? Yeah. You know, I from- would
0: also like to see you come back at some point and talk about shop costs.
2: Yeah,
1: oh,
0: as well, um, because you know we've, those are
2: we've the guys. But, I'm talking off the roof right now. I promise. Yeah, you. yeah. So yeah. shop
0: costs, and so that's something. Cost,
2: availability, technician cost. I mean, we met with mm-hmm. our, our service managers group. Thank God it was in Vegas. Yeah. Um, so we had a really good distraction at the end of the yeah. those guys, I was literally talking off the roof. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Day, so yeah, yeah. I see what they're having to pay tax. So I'm thinking, well, I got a socket set. Maybe I should go down, <laughs> you know. And YouTube. Just, yeah, YouTube. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I mean, are they really? They're not mechanics anymore. Right? They're technicians. I, I mean, yeah. they have to know more computer than anything. else. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's actually true. That's really
1: right. um, So we got Brent's uh, email address. Yeah. So you want to check that, Brent? Do we have that right, Brent? Vcarma. Uh, NGM,
2: associate associate dot com. Dot com. Yeah, I mean you don't have to capitalize NCM, but I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I did that just so I could see who NCM is.
0: Right, so. Um yeah, and so if you are uh uh wanting to get um uh participate in some of the data stuff or if you're looking for 20 group, we always, you know, there's lots of different um where there's a there's there's some great options for 20 group and NCM is one of those. Yeah. And so if you're looking to get into one of those, make sure that you give them uh, a um a look before yeah. well, you before you make your decision, and I want
2: to make sure everybody knows: email me, call me anytime. I'll, I'll we'll we'll talk buy here, pay here. We'll talk shop anytime, anywhere. You don't have to be provide data. You don't have to be in a twenty group similar to you guys, Jim and yeah. Michelle. I'm, 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 I mean, we want to help the industry like you guys do. So I I can be a resource for anybody out there. Just yeah. like I said, shoot me an email. That's Always one of the reasons you. Yeah,
0: yeah. That you just you just want to help dealers be better. Yeah. Um, also, this has been a long podcast bit longer than we normally do. And I know that all of you weren't able to watch the entire thing and so one of the best places to go to get past episodes is to our YouTube channel. So Jim Rhodes at uh, the Octane Group. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Um yeah, like and subscribe, like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Brent, would you believe we have we have
1: <laughs> like approaching 350 videos in our YouTube channel. So, you That's know, awesome.
2: that is absolutely awesome. People yeah. are so
1: ha- sick of hearing from us, like it's just, <laughs> but you know, that's a nice thing Gosh. about Kenya. you. You turn it on you can turn it not off. You know? what
2: I'm hearing, they're not. So. Yeah. You know, and yeah. then
0: also, if there's anything that you guys might need help from us for, um, please feel free to call or text. Uh, this is Jim's personal line, 903-816-0216. And just like Brent, it's like, yeah. if you've got questions.
1: Text me with the easy questions. And then when you have a question, I, I know how to forward <laughs> text messages to Brent. So
2: Exactly. So, I'm the yes no guy. You can send me the yes no ones. You can <laughs> send Jim ones that are going to need anything of any kind of intelligence. He's going to be the one. Oh, goes, I'm good with one okay. word. other than that, Yeah, I'm this not really
1: good.
0: It's it's you know it's it's interesting sitting here as really the novice. It's uh there's a lot of a lot of um humble statements going out but they don't hit the mark because you guys really do know your stuff. Well, I know so Brent. I your, your
1: experience is unquestioned. Yeah. Like there's yeah. just no doubt. So we appreciate you, you sharing so freely your I knowledge just, with yeah. our audience. And, uh, and and I know they appreciate it too.
2: Yes.
0: And I, you're just wonderful. Love you, Brad.
2: Well, I always tell you guys this, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, in, in true appreciation for what you guys do. So uh, cool. this is something we've needed in our industry for a long time. I'm glad you guys are the ones that took the chance. Um, Obviously, at probably financial cost to you guys to do this. And if I just tell you, if, if nobody else does, we greatly appreciate it. the industry does what you guys thank are you. doing. Well, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you. That's thank kind you. of
0: it. we're gonna um, put you backstage and then chat for just a minute afterwards and see when we can get you back on the show too. So we got a couple of topics that look really good. Thank you very much, Brent. I appreciate
2: you. it. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Merry Christmas. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so good. That was a great conversation. Um, really, really appreciate uh Brent and his knowledge and his Mm -hmm. ability to just pull stuff up so quickly really makes a big difference all right everybody have a great monday and we'll be back here on wednesday thanks so much for joining us we really appreciate it everybody